Hi, I'm Jess O'Cullaghan, and welcome to the AudioCraft podcast. This podcast was produced and recorded on the lands of the Darug people and on the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. I pay my respects to their elders, past and present, and acknowledge that this always was, always will be, Aboriginal land. In this feed, you'll find all the recordings from the 2020 AudioCraft Podcast Festival, so you can relive your favourite sessions and give the wisdom shared by your audio idols a closer listen. When it's done well, collaboration can change the entire scope of a project and audio making objectives. This year, we thought a lot about what it means to collaborate well and asked three audio projects to go under the hood on their collaborative processes. Project O's Audio Diaries is a work in progress from Big Art and AudioCraft made in collaboration with teenage girls around the country. In this session, you'll hear from AudioCraft producer Nicole Kirby, Project O's Genevieve Duggard, and the girls from the Project O Diaries. Uh, so we're going to kick off with a quick um, <clears throat> whip around and um, acknowledgement of country before I start. So uh, my name's Genevieve. I'm in Sydney on the east coast of Australia. I'm on Gadigal land in the Eora Nation and I pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. And where are you, Nicole? Uh, I'm in Maroubra, so just a little bit further east from you, also on the east coast, and I'm on the lands of the Gadigal and Bidjigal people uh, whose sovereignty was never ceded and I wanted to extend my respects to their Elders past, present and emerging. Hey, Maggie in Victoria. I'm on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and I'd like to pay my respects to the elders past and present. Hello, my name is Rachel. I'm Trinity. And uh, we are here on the beautiful um, country of the Tomagina people in northwest Tasmania. And in WA, Amy and Lee. Amy? everyone. I'm on Nalama country in the northwest of Australia um, and I also pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Thanks everyone. Um, I just want to acknowledge also that um, this is obviously a project made with young women. We ha- we're at the honour of having Trinity here today but we also want to acknowledge Caitlin from Victoria and Alika from WA who've made these pieces but can't be here today because teenagers are really busy people with lots on their plate. So uh, it's great to have Trinity here and I just want to um, make sure that everyone's aware it's a co-design process. Did you want to start um, by broadly outlining the project, Jen, this Radio Diaries project, which is essentially like a a big heart project? It is a big heart project. So um, we love Audio Diaries and we, we make um, radio diaries under our project Project O, which is a, a program for young women um, assisting them to find their voice and importantly to use their voice to make really great artistic content that um, raises awareness about the issues that concern them. Uh, we say young women, but the, ca- the program does cater for trans and gender diverse young people. Too. So um, with Project O as aligns with um, our organisation Big Arts Mission, uh, we run the project in communities with young women who are living in rural, regional, remote parts of Australia or metro areas that have sort of complex levels of need. 
and our producers, which you've seen a few of today, actually live and work in the communities and they bring on artists like you, Nicole, on a contract basis to work with the young women to make this amazing content. Um, so Radio Diaries is an awesome medium um, to explore the voices of these young women who live in these places and their communities because they're places we might not you know, usually hear from and we might not otherwise get access to these voices. So we've run this project with, I think it was about 20 participants nationally because we run it in three places around Australia. But we've ended up with one young woman in each place that we operate Project O committing to the project. So that's three young women recording for sort of six months or more. Um, and they've been doing that work guided by their mentors in the community who we're, who we're talking with today and you, Nicole. I think it's been a really different process for you as an audio maker, right? Like it's quite collaborative. So how has that process been for you? Yeah, it, I think it's, it is a really unique uh, process, this one. And I think as an audio maker, probably one of the, the biggest differences is, you know, we're quite used to holding the mic or holding the recorder, um, spending a lot of time thinking about maybe when we go out to record what we want to record, what kind of story we're going to create, um, making sure that like we've got the mic positioned right, that we're getting atmos, that we're not getting handling noise and wind noise. And, you know, we spend our, our lives kind of planning all of this stuff. And I think one of the really special things about this collaboration is that a whole lot more has been left up to chance. Like we've literally handed over the recorder and the mic and said you go and create the content and let's see what happens and yeah and there's been a lot of people involved in that process and you all would have seen the on the ground workers on the screen before and they'll come back and speak more to this in a moment but how the process has worked is that at the start of the process I traveled around to those three communities in Tassie, Northwest WA and Frankston in Melbourne, and we ran workshops with the girls. So we introduced them to the idea of audio diaries um, by listening to them. And this was a concept that was pretty unfamiliar, really. So we're introducing a new idea and then sort of being like, hey, do you want to be part of it? Um, and then we did some uh, practice-based workshops um, to build up their skills in actually using the recorder and the recorders. And then we set them up with Zoom H1 recorders and a good set of headphones and um, they went off and started recording and they were guided in that process by the um, local workers um, who you just saw on screen and they're all um, arts workers but from a whole range of different backgrounds so they're not necessarily from audio backgrounds so they've been mentoring the girls through the process on the ground and then um, uploading the audio to me and I've had like hours and hours and hours of audio recorded from these girls to listen to <laughs> which has mostly been a delight, but at times, you know, like the microphone is like suddenly dropped and you're like, ah, <laughs> my ears. Um, um, so I think like one of the great things about this project and that kind of leaving it up to chance and handing over the mic and letting the girls record things on their own terms is that what comes out is really surprising. So, you know, like the girls are kind of taken the recorder away and some of them have taken it to school and recorded in the playground or they've recorded in their bedrooms like when they can't sleep at night or when no one's up in the morning um, first thing they've taken it to like we've met their pets and um, taken it on holidays so they like we've really kind of followed them over the course of this period and and what's come out of it I think also is like 
They record things that I would just never think to ask about in an interview. And what comes to mind is one of the first recordings that came in from Caitlin in Frankston was this kind of like long and impassioned monologue on body hair. Um, And she'd seen a friend at school being bullied for not shaving her legs. She's 12. She was in year six. And um, she went home and picked up the recorder and just did this like five, 10 minute, like amazing, like rant on, um, you know, conventional beauty standards, body hair, the pressure to like remove it, why women don't need to, how you're all beautiful at just as you are like, and just this really like nuanced reflection on kind of the dynamics that had played out at school that day. And she was like very much processing it. And it's something that I think like, you just tend not to to grab, like it would be really special if you had like happened to be interviewing Caitlin right after that had happened. But basically I think this process has kind of opened up these really like rare and special moments to capture um, that, you, you, you know, you just don't ordinarily get. And it's also been like an eye-opener for me being on the receiving end of listening to this. I'm like, who is this 12-year-old girl? Like... I, I wish that I had these thoughts when I was 12. Um, yeah, so it's been, I guess, surprising process. And I think, yeah, coming back to, to what you were asking, I think one of the things about this process is that it's not until, like, it's almost over, like we're in the final stages of it at the moment, that we've really known what each radio diary would be and what it would sound like and what the kind of, like, narrative or story that has emerged would actually be. So we've sort of just had to kind of roll with it throughout the process and not have a clear sense of, you know, what is this thing that we're making. And I I think that's true for sort of um, the young women recording as well as us as producers. So, yeah, so that's been like a really interesting learning experience for me. And I think it kind of goes to the way that Big Heart operates more broadly, Jen. Um, you really tend to embed in communities like you've been in Roburn in or Big Heart as a company has been in Roburn for nearly 10 years in the Pilbara in northwest Tassie for nearly 30 years I think so there are these long-term engagements um, and the focus is on process if not you know as much if not more than on outcomes so I wondered if you wanted to tell us a little bit about what that model normally looks like and how it's worked in this context with radio diaries uh, yeah, for sure. So um, Big Art is an, a company that makes art for social change, but as you say, it's really process-driven. So the art is really the tip of the iceberg. It's sort of the the really valuable vehicle through which we tell the stories of, of these um, communities and these places. And they're, and they're places that sometimes have like really ne- uh, negative narratives attached to them. So the focus of making this this work is to highlight the strengths of that place and try and shift those really negative sort of attitudes towards the people and place. So the bulk of the work is actually really long-term work delivered over a number of years. It's about programs, it's about people and, and local partnerships and, like we said, producers living and working in the communities to support the capacity to grow within the community and also when we leave the community for the legacy to be there with the people. So we view all our projects um, 
even if we think we're making art, we try and view them through our domains of change. Um, there are five domains of change with big art. And if I think about them in terms of the Radio Diaries project, so we start with domain one, which is the individual. So it's really great to work with a young woman um, to give her a platform to sort of find her unique voice and to speak up. That's a really valuable process. But if we move into our second domain, which is high quality content, then we get to create a product of that process with that young woman and sort of let her apply the new skills and confidence that she's learned. And with that content, be really sure that we're applying like a really high level of artistic rigour to the content and bringing the skills and resources and opportunities that that young woman might not otherwise have. So you've got an individual, you've got great content, but it's really important that you move into the third domain, which is community. So it's great to do those things, but if you don't bring the community along in the process with that young woman, it's not the most sustained way to make sure that her development and her confidence continues. So we make sure that we're um, involving her parents and her teachers, her elders, her carers, um, her support network in the process of the making of the work so that she's supported through it and that her development can continue. So that's a great community and cultural development project. But we still want to move into our fourth domain, which is influence. So there are people sort of in the region of that young woman's community and outside of her community that are making decisions about her every day and that are forming policy about her and they don't know that young woman and they don't know kind of the things that she's dealing with on the daily and they don't know um, that much about her community and they also don't know that she's the best asset, asset, asset that they've got in terms of trying to understand the needs of that community. So we make sure that that piece of high-quality content that been made with that young woman that has the permission of the community gets into the hands of people who are making decisions and have, have influence um, or in this case into their ears um, so that they can be more informed when they're driving policy. And lastly we aim to get um, that piece of content made and then to share the knowledge of how we've made it. So that's our fifth domain of change. And I guess that's what we're doing now, right? So presenting to um, audio makers and people um, around the world with the hope that, that other people will continue this work too. And I think that means for you, Nicole, there's heaps of people involved in the project and particularly in the edit process because we all have different positive agendas for um, the future of that young woman and the place that, that she lives in. So it means for you as an audio maker, there's heaps of people in the edit end of things, um, making sure that we're fulfilling our duty of care. Mm, yeah, there's been like a lot of um, back and forwards. So as I've been editing, um, particularly in this kind of recent stage over the last couple of months as I've been editing the work, I'll send it back and it'll get listened to by the young women and their mentors and people in the community and then we'll get feedback and kind of rework it. And we've sort of seen the emphasis shift over over that process. Um, and so there's been things like Alika, the girl in Roburn, um, her grandmother is in the piece and she was like, okay, you have to introduce me um, using this word. You know, Alika needs to say I'm her Gorali, not just her grandmother, using a word in language and then explain what that means. And that's really, that was a really important point for her to acknowledge. And 
that like, yeah, it's been, for me, it's been great. Like it, it, it's been really special to be able to be involved in a process that we have the time to be able to collaborate like that because I feel like that's actually a really rare thing at the moment. Um, and to be able to ensure that, like you say, not only the young women recording but also like their families and communities have a sense of ownership over this and feel that like this has been done in a way that does justice to them and who they are and that they're being kind of represented in a way that feels true to them. So, yeah, that yeah. thing around like her, her grandmother being named as Goralee is something that I would not and probably could not have ever known. But it feels really good as well that her grandmother felt fine about speaking up and saying that this is important to me and also that Alika, the, the main uh, character in that story, has also at certain junctures just said like, no, I want that taken out. That doesn't feel good to me. Like I recorded it, but I don't want that in the final cut. And for me, that's instilled like a lot of confidence in this process. It's like, okay, she feels comfortable saying no to some of this stuff. And in that case, let's take it out. Um, Cause ultimately yeah. this has to be her story and she has to feel good about how it's represented. It's not like some, we're not trying to get some hot take for a, like a piece of journalism or something. We're um, trying to do the right thing by these girls on that, um, I wonder if it's time to turn to listening to an extract of one of the pieces from Frankston. So we've got a couple of little, like, two-minute samples of um, some of the works in progress at the moment. They're not the final pieces. Yeah, the works in progress so far. So the first one that we were going to play is from Caitlin, who I mentioned earlier, who's a 12-year-old in Frankston, which is on the outskirts of Melbourne. She recorded this uh, last year, this part, and um, this work in progress was played at an International Women's Day event for her local community in March. It is August 5th and I am walking to school. It's very cold. I am wearing a lot of clothing because I think I'm getting sick. Uh, it's freezing. I'm about halfway. I'm walking because it's good for the environment. Um, all the houses in this neighbourhood look the same in this suburb, really. They all look exactly the same. Kind of scares me walking alone. It's Especially as a girl, I find it a little bit frightening, but I still love walking, so... Yeah. People are looking at me like I'm crazy because I'm wearing headphones and carrying a microphone thing. Everyone's going to think I'm weird. I'm going to try and avoid my friends. Okay, so I have to go the long way because I don't want them to see me. Even though I really want to see them because I haven't seen them all weekend. My name is Caitlin and I am 12 years old. This is going to be me. This is going to be my journey and this is going to be what it's like being a young girl in Australia. I'm going to be speaking my truth because that's who I am. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a young girl with a very loud mind and I'm not afraid to express my feelings because 
If I don't, then who else will? I want to make change. Over to Maggie to introduce herself and her role and, and um, we might have a bit of a chat about Caitlin's diary. Um, I'm Maggie. I'm one of the community producers in Frankston in Victoria where we run Projecto as well. Um, as a community producer, I work with my colleague and we run the workshops. So we're kind of on the ground facilitating artists, working within the community and mentoring the young people in our program. Frankston is a suburb which is about an hour out of the CBD of Melbourne and it's got a population of about 40,000 people. Maggie, you've worked really closely with Caitlin over the last nearly a year, mentoring her through this process. And actually, when we started this project, Jess Spinneth from Audiocraft is also working on this project as an EP. And Jess and I had a meeting with the Radio Diaries producers in the States, and they've been doing Radio Diaries for like dec- decades and are like the experts. And so we called them to get some advice on this project. And one of the things that they said to us was like, don't work with anyone younger than about 16, because that's around the age where like you can really start to kind of get like some you know coherent kind of like reflections um around how how people are kind of thinking about the world and their consciousness expanding and all of that sort of stuff but Caitlin's 12 and we decided to work with her anyway we were aware of like that this could be a bit of a challenge but I wanted to ask you why it was or how it was that kind of Caitlin we came to recognize that you came to recognize that Caitlin would be well suited to this project and how it was that she was selected or put herself forward to to work on it. Sure. So we we were working with a um, a range of ages at last year, so between twelve and sixteen um, year old young people. And Caitlin stood out as someone who had a really strong sense of who she was and what she believed. She was a self proclaimed feminist in the first session that we spoke to her with the group and. Um, She's always been very, I suppose, outspoken about what she thinks and the changes she wants to make and very active within her school as well. But saying that, she's quite a shy personality, so she's very thoughtful. And I suppose from getting to know her, we um, spotted her as someone who is a, a reflective and thoughtful young. As she said, she's a young, a young girl with a loud mind and that really comes across in, in when you speak to her, when you, when you meet her, yeah. I was just going to ask, like, she had some really astute things to say about feminism and politics for a 12-year-old, but she's really shy at the same time. So when she came forward in that process for Radio Diaries, what was it about audio, do you think, that that drew her to the project? I think the personal nature of recording and uh, being able to do it in your room and kind of thoughtfully reflect on things really appeal to Caitlin and I suppose we offer a range of different ways of teaching young people to have have their voices heard in this program so we have film and lots of different things and she really liked the idea of audio because it was less kind of on screen and I suppose a quiet way to reflect for her Mm. without the pressure of having to be really public about it yeah yeah that's awesome I noticed a question came up in the comments earlier around how the participants were selected. And like you said, just to clear that up for people, like you said, Maggie, you work with like a group of young women through schools with this project. Maybe you want to describe this actually, just briefly, how you ended 
workshops. We ran weekly workshops with different um, age groups across the different schools. Um, and in those workshops, we do lots of different activities. We bring in artists, we do mentoring, we try and generally build um, skills and confidence and um, discussion in groups where young people can come together and we can facilitate and and help mentor them in discussing big issues that they care about or yeah a, a lot of different basically mentoring things and I suppose through that we get to know each participant really well and what they're comfortable doing and what they want to achieve and what they're passionate about. And so all of the girls had the opportunity to do these radio diaries but it, it only really kind of resonated with some and those girls put their hands up um, to work on it. And then I think probably one of the biggest challenges for this project is that it does require a lot of commitment. You know, the girls were recording over six to 12 months on a regular basis, um, or we were aiming for like a fairly regular basis. Um, and like, that's a really long time in the life of a 12 year old. Like it's, that's a big commitment for anyone, I think, to do, but especially, I think, for a 12-year-old. And Maggie, like one of the biggest parts of your role became became kind of mentoring Caitlin through that process and maintaining her, like, enthusiasm and commitment to the project. Um, and I know that that hasn't always been an easy um, process. Can you talk us a bit through how that worked with the two of you? So initially our sessions were within workshops and then, I realised that it was going to work better if I could support Caitlin more through the process. So we started having weekly or fortnightly one-on-one catch-ups after school where I'd pick her up and would maybe drive to a location and chat and do some recording. And there were, there were challenges with that within itself, trying to record in, in a car at the beach and things like that. It was all, it changed week to week. But the biggest part was creating a relationship with Caitlin where she felt like she could talk to me and she was comfortable talking with me because she is such a shy young person and I think that shyness almost grew over the project as she moved from being in grade six into grade seven and all of those dynamics at school. So the biggest part of the project was getting to know Caitlin and and helping her feel comfortable to speak out and speak her mind. And I think that that process was really important to this project because it meant over the six months it didn't kind of lose too much momentum it went up and down as she she would be more passionate about doing the project by herself but it also meant that our relationship was always building and so we could always kind of touch base and and get re-motivated to keep recording and things like that. How do you reckon she like we we showed a draft of her piece at the International Women's Day event attended by many politicians and people, like I said, who are in domain four of influence. How do you reckon she took that? Initially, it was really hard for Caitlin to hear her voice back. She had a very classic ill reaction every time she heard her voice. But there was a change when she realised that her voice and her story was being heard by people who could make change and that's something that she's always been really passionate about so there was a framing in like having to tell her or explain to her what amazing effect her audio diary was having on on people who could really make change in a really tangible way and I think once we discussed that and kind of 
translated that and worked that out that she was proud of the work she had done that it did take yeah it was hard for her to hear her own voice and her own story particularly when she felt she had changed a lot yeah. over a few months from being in grade six where she was really young and then in grade seven she felt like she'd grown and changed a lot so yeah yeah um I just want to make clear I just saw a question pop up in the comments and Caitlin had the final say on the edit and and will have the final say on any further edits and will have um be involved in where that um, piece ends up on various platforms nationally, globally, whatever. So it's Caitlin's work, it's her autonomy, it's her story. So thanks, Maggie, um, for coming on and sharing that work. And we honour Caitlin in this moment who can't be here. Uh, we're going to listen to some audio from WA now. So I'll pass on to Nicole. And, and thanks, Maggie. Thank you. And I'm just going to bring up this next sample, which is from WA from Roburn. And I'm going to mute my mic. She said, when you go to Millstream, you make sure you say Wandiwa and Mura. That's how you say hello and welcome to, to your country in Millstream. So you always say Wandiwa, Mura. I want to come in your country to be with you. And I really want to respect you and come to be in your, in your arms, jump in the water and swim around. So you always got to say that when you go to Moose Stream and Deep Bridge. Woo. I care about that place because my brother, Ian, he died there. He died there when he was a baby. He died last year. And we had his funeral and this little town where I used to grow up in named Muruana. He died and my grandfather and my grandmother, they died too. Um, when I lost my brother, it's changed me, but now my mum, she told us to live in town. So now we had to live in town, but it, like it changed like everything. Everything dropped dead for me, like boring. My auntie, she looked after me, but my mum, she went somewhere with my dad. But in Robin, you still can be a lot of fun here with kids. You got lots of people here instead of Muruana. I like going to the bathroom courts or walk around and see my nana. And you can go school. Thanks, Nicole. So we're just going to bring on Leif and Amy, who are the producers for the program in Western Australia. You like, would you want to explain, Jen? We've had two community producers involved in this. We have, yeah. Um, I should explain that when they came on. So um, Leif and Amy are um, at opposite ends of Western Australia at the moment. Amy's up in the top. Northwest in the Pilbara region, and, and, and Leith is down in the southwest. But they both worked with Alika on this on this project over six to eight, nearly ten months, maybe that she's been recording. With Leith actually being an audio artist herself, which is a bonus for this project, 
and working really closely with Alika to, to, to work on her story and develop her skills as an audio maker. And then Amy's really being um, focused on a lot of the community permissions and that, that third domain of change, communities that bring in her nanas and her teachers and integrating it with our school programs and um, focusing on that aspect. So you've already got two satellite people outside of Alika who are as committed to this project. Um, as she is, that's how it works. And yeah, Leith, you've done that work with Alika, um, mentoring her through the recording process. And as Jen said, you've got a background in audio and that's been so awesome because I feel like you can really hear that in the sample that we just played, like that, um, those beautiful kind of um, field and atmospheric sounds that we were able to kind of bring into the piece. Um, but I also wanted to ask from your, your um, background as an audio maker what it was like working with Alika um, like we heard her very beautiful voice there how did you find that experience um, thanks Nicole yeah she has got a beautiful voice she's very calm and self-assured and she's very grounding to be around but yeah it was awesome working with her I feel like it was a really cool exchange of information a lot of the time because she's a Yinjibandi young woman I feel like she taught me a lot about Yinjibandi culture and um, she learns a lot about recording. I was always kind of like, what What does that mean? Oh, and how do you do that? And she's really generous with her time. And um, in, I think through that, she also learned to really like accommodate for an audience that might not be Yinjibandi or Nalama, which is the other main language group up there. So yeah, we both learned a lot of skills, which was really cool. And she has a really great work ethic for a teenager. She's always kind of up for doing hour-long ses hour sessions and things like that, which was cool. But, yeah, it was a really unique experience working with Alika. There was a lot of things to work around, like her busy schedule, as you were saying, you know, teenagers with their busy schedules, like playing footy and going out bush. And mm. I guess, like, one of the reasons it was really grounding to be around Alika as well is that she puts a lot of time into thinking about family and culture. And it's really nice every time I worked with her to be reminded of kind of how to live your life in a really good way because she was just always talking about how to take care of herself and how to take care of her family and country and it's just really nice to be reminded of all those things. She's a very wise um, wise young soul and talking about that like the ways you learnt from each other one thing that I've noticed kind of listening to the audio that's come in is early on uh, Leith you would often be recording with Alika and um, you'd really have to be drawing her out to kind of explain and further what she was talking about. And in one of the most recent recordings that we did with Alika, she was recording with her cousin and um, Alika took on that role, which is like clearly learned from you where she was like, her cousin was like, oh, yeah, you know, we just go and we do some yarns and things. And then Alika jumps in and was like, some of the kids listening might not know what a yarn is, so can you just explain to them what's a yarn? And it's like, oh, cool, you're really, like, you're really taken on this, this process and um, hearing the ways in which she's become more articulate throughout the course of time has been really lovely for me just kind of listening as a producer. Yeah, mm. totally. And like you say, we had to draw that info out and then by the end I think she really liked the fact that she knew that we were here to, like, to listen and she, I feel like she really enjoyed talking to us about about things as well, which is cool. Mm. It'd be great to hear from Amy actually um, in the context of, um, you know, giving her autonomy and ownership over over the work through this really intensive project and 
how you've helped to facilitate that on the ground, Amy, and how that involves, um, you know, Indigenous IP and, and permissions and um, making Alika feel like she has that ownership over the work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks, Jen. And I think, Nicole, you touched on that a little bit earlier in the session where, you know, we get, like, Alika will come in, she'll listen to the audio, I call her boss, and she will say, yep, yep, no, no, yep, no. You know, so, and she has that confidence to say no, which I think is a really great sign because it understands, it shows that she's understanding that, that this, this audio is going to be shared with other people um, and that it's, it's her voice, it's her story, and she's the person that makes those decisions around the elements that can be shared and that are just for her. Um, and I think that part of that process was a, was like right from the outset being really clear that, all right, this is a really exciting project. This is an opportunity for you to talk and to learn how to use this technology. If you want, some of the things that you record can be shared with, with other young people across Australia and other audiences across Australia. But it can also just be something, if there's something that you would like to just share for yourself, you can do that as well. Um, and so being really clear from the outset around the sort of the possibilities of where the audio might be going um, so that throughout she's always, she's always in charge, I guess. Um, and, and that process has also been around um, bringing in her family, bringing in her nana who features quite heavily, you know, her story is her story, but she also, you know, her family is so connected in everything that she talks about and her community is so connected in everything that she talks about. And so we work with all of the work that we do here in Robin. You know, it's a partnership with the community um, and we're guided by the elders here as well around what is appropriate and what's not appropriate to share. And so that that process has been about checking with Alika but also checking with her family and then also checking with the elders as well to make sure that we're operating in a really culturally safe space. Yeah, super important in terms of, um, you know, her work and, and it going on national platforms and the life of it beyond that, that the community really backs it um, and that she continues to feel that ownership. Thanks, Amy and Leith. I think we're going to have to move to Tazzy Nicole, but um, really appreciate your insights there. See you at the thanks. end. Yeah, thanks, guys. I'm going to jump to the audio from Tazzy. I am Tranty. I am 15 years young and I am from Wynyard. Not originally, but from Wynyard, Tasmania. See, I'm not afraid to share my story. I feel like it's good not to just learn from your experience, but through other people's experience. You know what I mean? That's what I want. I want to share my experiences. Get it out there to the world. I'm Trinity. This is Tash. We're in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. I See, Tash isn't just my sister, but probably my best friend. I'm 18. No, you're turning 19. You got Solik in your hand. You got Solik. We're not sisters by blood, but sisters by heart. Let me see. That, that's a little bit cheeky. <laughs> Ew. So I'm separated from all my actual siblings, my half-siblings, because that's what the foster system does. They like to separate siblings. 
a day to open it like this. The fact that we, one, consider each other as family, because I guess we've never really understood a family of our own, I guess. Thanks for the toast. No, it's not your toast. Can you give out my toast? Please. I actually slap you. You're not abusive. No, I, I just say I'll slap you, but I won't. No, I know you won't ever slap me, because if you slap me, I would slap you right back. And that would end up in a fight. I know she'll always be there for me and have my back. See, me and Tash, we tend to fight a little bit, but we always end up solving it. And that's a good thing. I think families are supposed to forgive each other. I, th I think that's how it works. Yeah, I, also, <laughs> I also eat that Nutella. Do not eat it. <laughs> like, no, eat it. But... See, she's in foster care too, so... I will destroy you. <laughs> and I don't think I really like calling her a foster sister because it kind of labels her a bit. But, you know, it's a little easier to explain to people. So that was the wonderful Trinity from Tassie and um, Trinity and her um, mentor Rachel are about to jump on screen and join us. I'm just going to, hey guys. <laughs> well, Trinity, it's been like such a pleasure to work with you over this last little period um, and I've been super impressed by all the diary entries that um, you've kept. But I wanted to know why you wanted to keep this diary and keep this radio diary in the first place and how you knew what it was that you wanted to talk about in it? Well, <laughs> nerves. Um, yeah, I guess I already knew what I wanted to do due to, well, my story being about foster care and I've been in foster care all my life. So it was a pretty easy choice. Um, yeah, and why you wanted to do it, why you wanted to do the project. To get my story out there, I mean... Not many people actually know what foster care is. So for someone who's been in it all my life, I felt like I could get my story out there. Thank you for sharing your story. And what do you reckon you learnt from the process? I've learnt it's a lot easier to open up to people but not so much to open up to myself, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was challenging but fun. What was challenging and what was fun about it? It was fun just, you know, having all the laughs and, you know, opening up and all that. But very challenging to find time to do it and, you know, hearing my own voice. <laughs> and, Rachel, can you tell us a little bit about um, the event where Trinity shared her draft audio diary because they're all still in progress Um for International Women's Day and and what happened there. And then Trinity, you can tell us a bit about how that felt. Totally. Um, so our Project O crew here in Northwest Tassie has been organising community dinners um, once every term and it's a really great chance to bring in the community, broadly family and friends and old Project O team, yep. um, to come together and share work. And in March we had a really special event that was centred around International Women's Day and sharing some of these these amazing works. So this was sort of the premiere of, of Trinity sharing this um, in progress work of her audio piece and um yeah it was really special we had about 80 people attending well if you got to listen 
really intimately in a space that was set up like a teenager's bedroom um, to, to Trinity's piece. It, yeah, it was really special. We had the Commissioner for Children and Young People from Tasmania listening and, and seeking out Trinity afterwards to speak to her and also the Minister for Social Services. So that was like a really amazing example of, of what can be achieved through this. And I know, Trinity, you were saying to me earlier that there were times when it was really hard to um, sit in your room and sort of talk about, like talk these things through and actually sort of have these thoughts, but knowing that people would listen and that you'd be able to get the story out there wasn't enough of a driver to... Yeah, to little steps at a time. And maybe do you want to talk about those moments where you got to meet like Leanne McLean and... and oh, it was awesome, honestly. Um, you know, just knowing that they heard it and, you know, small steps. <laughs> Did you ever imagine that your story might get out to such no, to big players? No, no, no. I never imagined it would get this far, honestly. I thought it was just a cool little fun little project, <laughs> but it turned into this and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Yeah, and who knows where it's going to go after this, Trinity. You've got so much to say and all these people in the chat are just blown away by your voice and, as I said, we haven't even finished the final piece. Um, Nicole's been working on that. We're, we're committed to, to making sure that we reach as many people as possible so Trinity can help, you know, other people that are going through the foster system and, and you know, feeling the same things that you have. Would you say that's, that's a good reflection, Trinity, of why you've done your story? Yeah, knowing it's, it would possibly make a change just, you know, it's just awesome and encouraging. Because you've been really open and honest, Trinity, about how you feel like the foster system does need to change and, like, hearing that real honesty of how you feel like, in these moments over the last year has been like really incredible I think like that that you've been brave enough to talk about like the ups and the downs with it as uh, yeah how has that felt for you doing those recordings over the last year how has how has it felt for you I mean it's nervous like it makes me nervous talking about the foster system sometimes but like knowing knowing that my voice can make a change to the foster system and help other people, it's just incredible to me. Like, I never thought, like, if you asked me to do this a year ago or something like that and not, not knowing it would lead up to here, I would not do it. I would be like, nah, but, yeah. I think in the case of Leanne McLean, it's like, you know, we can provide her data, she can do surveys, she can do research, or she can just talk to Trinity and you know, Trinity can help her to improve, to advocate for change in, in the foster system and that goes for a lot of ministers and politicians that will that will hear Trinity's content. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to um, your voice getting out there even more in the world, Trinity, and I can see from the chat, you guys might not have the chat up, but there's a lot of people saying that you're really awesome, Trinity, um, and that they want to hear more of this. Somebody has asked, if it makes you want to do more audio in the future. Yes, yes, I definitely want to do more. <laughs> well, you're, that's definitely the answer that they wanted to hear too. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of positives coming back, um, but I'm so glad that we were able to finish with you guys. But, yeah, thanks so much for joining and it's been so special to have you with us today, Trinity, so thanks for making it. Anything, anything else that you guys wanted to add before you 
say goodbye. Thanks for coming, Trinity. Maybe all the other producers can jump on for our final farewell. It's really important to acknowledge. Yes, please. That's what I was uh, hoping to to ask before we lost Rachel and Trinity was all the producers to join. Jen, did you want to say anything else before I, I, I wrap up? To say um, we are still looking for broadcast partners for all of these. <laughs> we go wide. We want to be able to take Trinity's story, for example, everywhere we can. So if there's anyone out there that's interested in the project in that way, you can um, look us up at Big Art and get in touch and we'll, we'll chat. That was Nicole Kirby, Big Art Producers and the girls from the Project O Audio Diaries going under the hood on collaboration. If you liked this episode, search for our 2016 episode, Collaborative Storytelling. There's heaps to learn about telling collaborative stories well and what it means to truly share power when crafting audio stories. Find us on social media at AudioCraftFest and sign up to our newsletter at audiocraft.com.au to keep in touch. Until next time.